Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So I want to start off talking about hunger. Um, and, you know, there's probably not anyone who hasn't had a long day and skipped meals and that kind of stuff and who knows what hunger feels like. Um, and it was interesting that um, in, in reading some of this, I actually found this very scientific description of what happens and what makes you feel hunger. Um, and there's actually a um, hormone that gets released when your body recognizes that it needs fuel. It needs that food. It needs something. Um, and that gets released into your system, <clears throat> and it actually signals the stomach to start producing all of the acids and things that it that it needs to digest the foods, and that churn in your stomach can make your stomach growl and rumble and that kind of stuff, um, which is kind of funny. Ken's not in here, but but we frequently hear Ken's stomach um, when when we meet and uh, and uh, and that kind of stuff. And, and we've actually just in all transparency, the last well, maybe it wasn't the last one, but we had meeting a couple weeks ago, and it was like it was going around the room, like all of us were having this, this same rumble in our tummies. But, um, but it, that, that hormone, interestingly enough, says it can increase that hunger um, sensation by up to 30%. So, so there's kind of a natural thing that happens where you just get hungry, and you're like, I need to get something to eat. And then this hormone starts to be released, and that actually just amplifies it. Um, and so that's, that's hunger in your body, in your physical body. Um, and then we have a thirsting in our physical body. Um, and of course, everyone has been out in the summer heat and been busy and doing things, and you, you, know, you don't stop to get a drink, you don't stop to get a break, you know? And, um, and you go to get that, that first drink of water, and like, it's like you can feel it go all the way down. You know, it's like your body is just dry on the inside. It's just bringing that moisture back to you. Um, and, you know, you get dry mouth and your lips stick together and your tongue sticks to the top of your mouth and those kind of things. And anyone who's probably had the microphone and been up in front of people has probably experienced that. So, um, so we all know kind of those sensations. We all run into those uh, at times in our life. Um, and those are physical things. Um, and, and from a, just a physiology standpoint, um, because people have been shipwrecked because they've had um, times when they have been in situations where they didn't have availability to food, natural disasters, those kind of things, that we know that people can go about 40 days before they experience serious, like, physical harm from not eating. Um, but in drinking, they say about three days is about as far as you can go without having water. Um, and so there's, there's this need for the body to continually get the, the food and the drink um, to replenish what the body needs. Good job, Ken. No. You are perfectly fine. We are honored that you're here. And, and I appreciate the example that Ken has in taking care of his mama. And being a gentleman, I think that's, that's important for all of us to see. Uh, this morning, 
um, Mike and, and Pam Gibbs were, were up in the altar. And, um, and of course, we're paying, praying for Pam. And Mike just put his arm all the way around her like, I got you, you know. And, uh, and I thought, wow, that's, that's really good. You know, he's being her support and stuff. I just noticed that this morning. I really appreciated that. So we all know the pains of, of hunger and thirst. So my first question to you, um, and I think this is on your sheet. I should probably get that out here where I can see. Um, is uh, how do you feel when you're physically hungry? What kind of feelings do you have? And, and, and just to maybe set the stage, there's a word that we have, like Katie, I think, is already knowing it right now, right? That, that we joke about. And she may, obviously, this is a recent joke. Um, but we talk about what happens when we get hungry. And when people, when people get hungry, sometimes they get hangry, right? So, so this is Brian. Irritable, yeah. What else? Weak, yeah. What else? You settle? Oh, so you compromised, maybe. Yeah. Okay. What else? Tired? Yeah, what happens when you get tired? You get grumpy? Yeah. You don't think right? Good. Off balance? Yeah. Snappy. <laughs> yeah, we totally did. Hey, I, in all transparency, I said I said we had one meeting where it was just going around the room. We were all doing it. <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> so all those things you just mentioned, all of the aggravation, the irritability, the snappiness, right, the confusion, all those things, that, those all happen when we're physically tired, or not physically tired, physically hungry. When we've not fed our bodies, we've not fed our, um, our physical body. And if we look at what happens in the spirit, um, we know that the physical often mimics what happens in the spirit. And so all of these same things um, that we see when we don't physically eat can also happen to our spiritual body. Um, Galatians 4, uh, verse, verse 16, um, talking about being irritable. Um, and this one says, um, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? And so obviously, you know, this is a truth going out to the, the church in Galatia, right? And they're offended because they, they've not been spiritually feeding themselves like they should be. And someone brings them the truth and suddenly they've taken on this offense. Romans 14.1, as for the one who is weak in faith because they've not been feeding it, right? Welcome him, but don't quarrel over opinions, right? So this is, again, saying 
saying someone who comes in there and not spiritually being fed and that kind of stuff, they might be quarrelsome. And so we see the same thing in, in the spiritual, right? Because, you know, you can, you can relate to that or something, right? So we see the same thing in the spiritual. In Ephesians 4, which we talked about a lot yesterday um, for the guys that were here, um, and, and there's a few scriptures here, and it, and it has to kind of set this up. Um, and I'll read uh, 11 through 15, and it says, Now these are the gifts that God gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, as we know, is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. This is some new revelation here for me this week. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, so what that says there is we become mature and complete and full of knowledge. That's where we're spiritually fed, right? And so then, it, then the, the scriptures flip here and says, then we'll no longer. So the, the implication is that we're, we're not spiritually fed and we're not mature in our understanding. I want you to make sure that's clear here. So verse 14 flips that and it says, Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So this is the confusion. This is not being able to sort right from wrong. This is the, um, you know, hearing something and not being able to decipher what's true and what's not. Because you haven't been spiritually fed and you're not spiritually mature. We'll not be influenced by people who try to Trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love. And again, this goes back to being mature and full. Uh, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So there's, there's an implication here that in order to grow more and more like Christ, we've got to be able to feed the spiritual man. Okay, We've got to be able to, to take this hunger of the spiritual man and feed it spiritual food in order to, to make it grow and become more and more like Christ. And then it goes on and it says, uh, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, so this hunger and thirst that we have, this pang and this craving that we, we should feel both physically and spiritually, on the spiritual side, not only satisfies our own body, but it is necessary for the body of Christ to also grow and be healthy. So your spiritual health has an impact on the spiritual health of people around you. Okay? That's, that, that's big. That's big. Because one, one of the things that we talked about this weekend is that, is that as you read through this, um, and I think it's back, back in verse, maybe it's 9 and 10, but it talks about how, how God is in all and works through all. So that no one, no one is accepted from this. And so then it turns around and it says that he gives gifts to his people, gives gifts to each. And so all receive this gift through the Holy Spirit. Now it's all different. And you get down here to verse 16 and it says he makes the whole body fit together. Right? Your portion is not my portion. Your role is not my role. I can't do your role. You can't do my role. But when they come together, they are designed like gears and cogs to fit together and to work perfectly together. And if you've ever had a, 
you know, uh, something with the gears in it and there's a broken tooth, there's one missing, you know that it stutters and it doesn't run smoothly and it skips. And, and, and usually, not always, but sometimes all it takes is one gear to be missing and it's only a matter of time before two are missing and three are missing and the whole thing just comes apart, right? So, so much like that, we are designed, God's design for his body, the church, is to come together, intermesh our gears, if you will, in our lives, and that helps myself grow, it helps you grow, it helps the body be healthy, okay? All right. So, the other thing that, that is in this, this part of the scripture is that for those hunger, that, that hunger and thirst to be filled, it talks about this maturity, and that maturity says that it's ongoing, right? We can't just want, come one time, we can't just fill up one time and be filled and be mature. It, it, it kind of implies that there's this process of coming back, and there's this process of growth, and there's this process of growing and becoming mature in Christ, and so, and so there's this ongoing filling that has to happen when we satisfy that hunger, when we fill the spiritual man. And so to deprive ourselves of that spiritual food and drink leads to spiritual starvation. Okay? But the good news here, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness for they will be satisfied. Now, I learned something about this verse that I think is, you know, the Bible is amazing. And I, and I love to read the Bible. I love to find these little nuggets of truth in here. Um, because this is one that on the surface, we can look at that and go, that's a great scripture. You know, I know if I hunger and thirst for the Lord, he's going to satisfy me that and that kind of thing. But the actual language here is actually much deeper than that. So if you go back to the original language and how it's used here, and... Um, let me get the right words. Oh, I left out all that. But it talks about the, the, like the tense of the words, and it's the declarative tense versus the objective tense or something. I, I skipped all that because it probably wouldn't mean a whole lot. But if you look at the language that's used here, the, the original language that's, that's used here, this scripture and the, and the way it's structured and the way the the, the verbs and the nouns and all that interact in the structure of the sentence, it actually, um, it would be a better translation to say, blessed is the one that is constantly aware of their hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it, it, even in that, it says it's an ongoing thing. And so the satisfaction that it talks about um, and, and, and the promise to be satisfied is something that doesn't happen on a Sunday. It doesn't happen when you open your Bible and read it. It is an eternity thing. It is you are satisfied when you become come into that unity of faith. And so there, the implication there is, is that the scriptures say that we need to be aware that there should be a constant hunger and thirst, that we should constantly be moving and leaning into the presence of the Lord, leaning into the word, leaning into you know, experiencing him through prayer, through worship, all those things, and continue to drive and strive to go towards the Lord. And in that, as we, as we live our lives that way, that he'll bless that. 
But the satisfied piece of it comes in eternity when we get to that unity of faith. So, so that hunger and thirst, and again, you read the scripture and you can go, you know, I'm hungry and thirst for him. I'm going to go spend some time with him, and I know he's going to meet me there. I believe he will. I don't believe you'll be satisfied there. I think you're going to get a taste of it like a good potato chip, and you'll be like, um, that was really good. I want another one. Yeah. Um, and so there's a blessing in that as well. So, so unlike physical hunger, that, that we can go to the smorgasbord, right, <laughs> and we can fill our plates and we can stuff ourselves and we go, oh, gosh, I'm so stuffed, I'm full, I don't want any more, the spiritual hunger doesn't work that way. The spiritual hunger works like that potato chip. It works like that snack, right, where you go and get a taste for it, and you're like, oh, I want some more of that, right? And that's an ongoing thing, and that is really key to, to develop that desire, right? Because we all know that, that in, in our walks, when we, were, when we were probably immature and just new, maybe some of us had that hunker. And some of us would like get into the word and we'd take a snack and we're like, oh, that's so foreign. I, I don't know what to make of that, right? I know that's my experience. It took me years to kind of develop that hunger. I knew I should be digging into it. I knew there was a lot I didn't understand. And, and you know, in, in my history, as I come from a very analytical background, my folks didn't go to church. I didn't know much about it. I went to one Bible study or Bible study, um, VBS, when I was five um, and maybe went to one other one later in my life. And so I didn't have any of that until I was in high school and I started dating and I was dating girls that were going to church and I'd go to church and they were wanting to pass notes and I wanted to listen to the guy. And, you know, and I had this curiosity that I wanted to, to fill, right? And then I had this Bible that I didn't understand and it was challenging and that kind of stuff. But fast forward a lot of years, um, and I'm at that place where I get excited about cracking open the book. And I get excited about coming and being in his presence. And I get excited about going to a worship night. And I get excited about going to a Bible study. And I get excited about all these things because I know that there are going to be these little gold nuggets that we're going to find along the way. And, 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 and that's, that's the closest thing I can, like, imagine it being. I've never, like, mined for gold or hunted gold or anything like that. But I've watched the shows because that sounds kind of cool. Um, but if you've watched um, uh, Gold Rush is the name of the show. Uh, how many of y'all have seen that show or, or at least have seen Noah of the show? Um, it's kind of neat because they can go like all day long and, and they work and they labor and that kind of stuff. And they go and look, you know, in their machines where they're trying to collect all this gold and stuff and they can't find anything. You can see that they are just deflated. But, you know, they get up the next day or whatever, and they work some more, and they work some more, and they work some more, and they go and open it up, and there's a nugget in there. Oh, man, do they come alive. You know, and it's the same thing. That's, that's the closest thing I can think of that, that happens when we get in the Word. At least that, that's my experience anyway, is that I'll find a little nugget of truth, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome, you know? And sometimes it'll challenge you. Sometimes what you learn is like, wow, that's, that's not at all what I thought that meant, right? Or that's way deeper than, than it looks on the surface. And there's, there's all these layers. Anyway, I could go on and on. All right, let me get back to this. Um, so this, this scripture, um, let me get it right. 
Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. One, it's a promise, right? But, but this hunger and thirst, it, it, it implies, it, it doesn't just imply, I mean, it's stated, but it's stated in, in a different form than what we read in our English translations. But it, but it implies that there's this ongoing thirst and hunger that should be there. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, John 6.35, and this talks about, um, so compare these two. This first one is going to be John 6.35, and then I'm going to jump to Revelation 7, and they're somewhat linked here. So John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so we see these same two verbs in in some of Jesus' statements where, where he's like, you know, come to me and I'll feed you bread of life. Come to me and I'll give you that living water and you won't thirst again, right? And so we know that pursuing Jesus and coming to Jesus is where we find that spiritual food that's going to nourish us. And then in Revelation 7, uh, 15 through 17, it says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. And so I see this, and I, and I look at this, and I go, okay, that's where we're satisfied. That, that's where these hungers and thirsts are satisfied, is in, in Revelations, when, when we finally reach that unity of faith, when, when like, like now we know in part, in time we'll know in, in full, Right, And when we reach that point, which I think is what they're describing in Revelations, is that there won't be any hunger anymore, there won't be this thirst anymore, because we'll have that unity of faith and understanding with the Lord. And so that's the satisfaction, I believe, that, that they're talking about in Matthew 5-6. Okay? So that's, that's kind of my, my background and introduction there on, on thirsting, hunger and thirst, um, and really comparing like the physical and the spiritual, okay? So this next piece, I said, well, what, what does hunger look like? And I've got a number of scriptures here that talk about hunger and thirst and similar topics like that. And the first one is in Psalms 27.4. And, and this is David talking. And, and, you know, David was the man after God's own heart. And so Psalms 27.4, it says, David describes his relationship with God by saying, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And so you can see the, the passion and the longing that David has to be close to the Lord. Psalms 42.1, as the deer pants for the water, So my soul pants for you. I think the version I have printed here is a little bit different. Or there's a typo. That could be a possibility. Psalm 63, 1 and 2. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. 
And then the last one I have there is Psalms 119, and I'm not going to read all of Psalms 119. If you know, you know. <laughs> but in verse 34, it says, um, it says the writer says that he wants God's word in his heart. He longs to have God's word in his heart. Verse 40 speaks of longing after God's truth. And verse 145 says, I cry out with my whole heart. Half-hearted efforts just won't do. Half-hearted efforts just won't do. God wants all of you. He wants you to seek him and crave him and long for him, just as David describes, just as the psalmist here describes. And the beauty of it is that God is, is faithful, and he says that, that, that you'll be blessed in that. And he says that if you'll seek after me with your whole heart, you shall find me. And so there's a promise that, that as we look at that hunger and thirst that we have for the Lord, that the God will deliver on that. So, how can you know if you're hungry enough? How can you know if you're hungry enough? One, are you seeking him half-hearted or whole-hearted? If you've ever worked with someone who's half-hearted, they're not, they're not interested in doing it fast. They're not interested in doing it well. They just kind of show up. They don't really focus on what they're doing. It's, it's not a driven work. They just kind of, kind of there. Maris talks about these people all the time. Right, Maris? Calling you out. Some people are passive about it, but the wholehearted person is passionately pursuing and makes seeking God and finding God their all in all. They don't approach it casually. It's a devoted time. It's a committed time. They go into it with a, with a purpose and an energy to seek the Lord. And it's a wholehearted devotion to digging into his word, to finding his presence, to praise him in song, and any other area of worship. And I think that that, that dedication, that wholeheartedness, is a, is a sign that there's this inward hunger in them. I think it's one of the things that it's, as we look at people, and mind you, appearances can be deceptive, but as we get to know people and we get to understand people and we can know their passion and their desires, when you see that, that is an indication that they're hungry. They, they're passionate. They want to pursue God. They want to, they want to come face to face. They want to have that encounter. They want to have that growth and that maturity. And so, so you ask yourself, are you seeking him half-heartedly or wholeheartedly as a gauge of, of your hunger? Number two, are you willing to give everything in seeking him? Is it a pursuit of convenience or dedication? Will you sacrifice your time and your convenience to seek spiritual food? You know, they used to say that you could look at somebody's checkbook and know what's important to them. I don't know how many people carry checkbooks anymore, <laughs> so I'm not sure that that works. Um, 
But I'll expand that. I think if you look at their bank account, right, um, you can see what's important to them. But I would say, too, you can look at their calendar and see what's important to them. What are they making time for, right? How, how is their schedule arranged and, and what, what's priority on their schedule? And so, are, you know, the question you need to ask yourself is, is, is am I devoting the, the, the amount of time? Do I make it a priority to, to seek the Lord, right? To, to get face-to-face, -to, -face, to encounter him, to, to love on him and worship him and, and to dig into his word. And I think along with this, we can look at fasting, right? Fasting at its very core is to weaken the man, to weaken the flesh so that the spirit, it, let me back up. You're going to weaken the man, but at the same time, feed the spirit so that the spirit really can become dominant in a season, right? And, and usually fasting is something that you go into, like, determined. Like, I'm going to do this. Mind you, there's a trap there because you can go, all right, you know, there's 72 hours left. Let's start the countdown, right? And you're more concerned about focusing on the end than focusing in the moment. But, but if, we, if we truly seek after fasting and truly seek to to eat that spiritual food and to grow in the spirit and to grow our spiritual man and, and amplify his voice, right, and, and subdue the flesh and, and really get it under, um, I can't even say control, I don't know, that's not the right word, but um, submission, that's a better word, then, then we can see and, and hopefully we can gain some of that spiritual maturity and spiritual food through that. But that's number two. Are you willing to give, right? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to spend and make it a priority in, in seeking the Lord? Matthew 4, um, starting in verse 11, says, Jesus was led up <clears throat> by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in doing that, in, and I love this about Jesus, and I love that, that whole season there where he's tempted because he always comes back and he says, the word, the word, the word. The Lord has already won this battle. You know, the, the Lord has already made a way. And, and we see that the enemy has nothing new, you know. We get sidetracked. But he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, the spiritual manna, the spiritual bread that comes out of the mouth of God. So number three, how do you know that you're hungry? Is there a passion that drives you into his presence? And much like a physical hunger drives you to the refrigerator, is there a spiritual hunger that drives you to the Word, that drives you to seek Him in prayer, seek Him in worship, to sing His praises? Is there, is there a reaction to your spirit getting hungry that draws you back into His presence? Because if there's not, then you may actually be at the point where you are so spiritually starved that that spirit man can't draw you back into it. 
he's, he's laying on the floor over there. He just can't, gasping, right? He just can't even communicate with you at all, right? But there is, there is a level of spiritual maturity, spiritual fullness that if you're open to it, you know, when, when you get a little tested and you get a little tired, right, the spirit will come up in you and go, yeah, you need to eat, right? And that spirit draws you to certain scriptures and brings them back to your memory, and you start digging into that, and suddenly, you know, you're, you're beginning to feel revived again, right? But if you think about someone that, that especially goes through a, a very trying time, and, and then, you know, especially if they're a churchgoer and suddenly they're out of church, and them having to come back and overcome that over a season of time, right? They get so far down the road and they, they, they move all their habits, you know, into something else and they get out of the, the quote-unquote habit of coming to church. And they have so much, such a more difficult time getting back in and getting back to the place where the Spirit comes in. And often that, that spiritual food that they get is brought by somebody else. That you can come to them as an encourager and say, hey, I was thinking about you, you know, how you doing, blah, 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 right? And you can come and you can help nourish someone who, who has allowed their spiritual body to atrophy to such a point that they're not even hearing that voice anymore, right? And the flesh has grown up so much around them, right? But nobody, I think, ever plans to go that path. They just find themselves there. And, that, and that's, that's awful. Um, but we ought to recognize that, and we ought to be reaching out to, to folks, and we ought to be, ought to be the ones that, that you know, um, are carrying that spiritual food to them and being the encourager and trying to lift them up and, and get them healthy again. But within us... We can also get into seasons where we're not getting fed the way we should be, right? And, and I can tell you from personal experience, we've been like in churches where you hit a dry spell and you're like, I'm just, it's not here. You know, we're not doing the right things and we're not moving forward. And I can even say that even with this men's group, it, it got to that point where it's like, we got to do something, Right? And so there's this irritation that begins to come where you, you can sense in the spirit that, that, that things are not where they need to be. Things are not healthy. And so you've got to, you've got to set the buffet. You've got to get them together. And you've got to begin to, to draw that out of people. And you've got to go, you know, brother, we need to do this, right? Are you hungry? And I can tell you yesterday and today, the guys that I talked to after yesterday, they're like, wow, we, we so need this, Right? And that's a recognition that there is, there is a, a spiritual bond, right? Think about those, those gears coming together. There's a spiritual bond that, that we needed to have, and we need to continue to work on that, right? And at the same time, that spiritual food and that strengthening that one gives to another is part of the body, right? We, we were in a season where that wasn't happening, right? And so we need to lean into that. We need to push on that. We need to strive to... to bring all those things back together, to bring all those pieces of the body back together so that, so that we can, you know, iron sharpen with iron. And we can nourish one another and encourage one another and, and bring all that back in together as the body of Christ. But it starts with an irritation somewhere in us. And uh, 
And I've got a quote here from uh, David Jeremiah. And some of you may like him, some of you may not, but it's a good quote. He says, um, if there isn't a holy dissatisfaction in your heart about your spiritual life and a hungering and thirsting to go further with God, then there's something missing in your faith. And it's, I, I so believe that, and I so align with that, because we, we serve an unlimited God. We serve an unlimited God that says, I, I've got more. Just come and get it, right? And so there, there should be, at some level, a dissatisfaction with where you're at. And you've heard me say it before, like if you've plateaued and you think, think that, you know, you've gotten all you care to get, right, then, then you need to really examine, you like, where's that coming from? Because, you know, Becky talks about the mountain, I'll use it, right? We're going to ascend the mountain. There's no peak that we can see on that mountain. We can just keep going up and up and up and up. It disappears into the clouds and we can't see the peak. There ought to be a desire to continue to, to climb that mountain. Okay. All right. Any questions so far? I've talked a lot. I thought this would be more interactive, but the interactive piece went fast, and this piece is going kind of slow. So. All right. Number four. How can you tell if you're hungry? Number four. So let me, I'll go back through this. Number, number one, are you seeking him wholeheartedly? Number two, are you willing to give everything in seeking him? Where's your bank account? What's your priorities, right? Number three, is there a passion and a longing for his presence that drives you? And number four, are you satisfied or left longing for more? And again, we kind of talked about this already, and this is... Um, and I hate to coin this phrase, um, but, it, but it really is the potato chip, right, satisfied, right? That was really good, but I want some more. Sorry, Lord, if that really diminishes the value of your kingdom and your presence and your glory. But it really... Like I said, just like the gold miner, that was my example on this part, so I kind of got ahead. But just like the gold miner that gets reinvigorated when he sees a sign that there's gold there, and he gets encouraged and he gets energized by that, we ought to have that same energized response when we, when we get into the Word and we find those little nuggets of truth in there. And unlike the gold vein that runs out, the Lord has promised that he has an endless supply if we'll just continue to look and pursue it. Okay, so on, on your worksheet, um, we start out with a couple questions, like how do I feel when I'm physically hungry? We talked about that a little bit. We talked about how the spiritual mimics the physical, right, and all the irritability and those kind of things that you feel in the physical kind of manifest in the spiritual as well. And then in the middle of that, there's some questions to consider, right? So where am I at on the spiritual maturity spectrum, right? Am I still on the, the baby food? Am I on solid foods? Am I feasting at the table? And it's not really for anyone to, to really 
We're not going to take a score. We're not going to raise hands or whatever, right? But ask yourself where you're at, you know? I think it's important. That's going to that's gonna help you determine, right, what, what tools and resources you need to pursue, right? If you're at the baby food level, you just, you just need to get a grip on salvation. You need to get a grip on the Gospels, right? But if you're more mature than that, you need to see how the Old Testament is all about Jesus. And if you don't see that, go, go and look. And I think it's in Luke, the, the road to Emmaus. Jesus himself says, the Old Testament's all about me. And he talked to the, the disciples there on the road. And he talked about how their heart burned within them. As he showed them in the, in the scriptures, which is what they had was the Old Testament. The prophets and the, and the, the first five books of the Bible and the prophets. That's what they had, and Jesus went through and he showed them, hey, you remember when it said this? That was all about me. Oh, and what about this part? Remember this part? Remember how it unfolded like this? Let me tell you how that's all about me. So that's going to tell you, like, like which drawer, right? Are you, are you going to reach up and get the baby food out of the refrigerator, right? Or are you grabbing the steak, right? So, so where are you at in your spiritual maturity? And then the next one there says, do I go after God with my whole heart? I can't answer that for you. I mean, that's something that you need to ask yourself. And I, y'all, don't get me wrong. I don't want it to be condemning. I just think these are good questions to ask. And truthfully, we probably go through seasons where, like, we're wholehearted, we're all in it, Right? And then life rears its ugly head, and we get knocked down a little bit, and then we got to recover. And so I think it's good every once in a while to go, you know what? I know I'm not where I should be. I know i got to get back to some things that I used to do and, and, you know, climb that mountain again. The third one there, as I look at my... Yes, ma'am. So, the more I know God, the no more I yield to that spirit, uh, <clears throat> he'll get me on the right path. If you'll allow. Right. Right. It's all about yielding, but it's all about, uh, in John 17, it talks about us being one with Christ. And that same love that was in Jesus will be in us. And so that love, I mean, how, how do we love the Father like Jesus did? How do, how do we love Jesus like the Father loved him? How does that happen? Well, I, I think the answer is in that spiritual maturity. The answer is in, in growing and becoming more like him. The answer is in, in seeking understanding in the text and having it come alive in you and that kind of stuff. It's, it's, in, um, it, it's in recognizing God's character and nature in everything. And, and it's in seeking him and, and hearing his voice and being obedient to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a process there, right? Like, like, 
I can be a lot more like Ken, right? And I can start today by dressing like him. That's easy to see, right? But, but I can't go to the restaurant with Ken and order what he would order because I don't know him that well. So I got to take time, right? I got to go with Ken. I got to pay attention when I'm with him, right? I've got to interview his wife and say, hey, what is Ken like, right? <laughs> so, so there is a, a process of growing and maturing and getting to know Christ to become like him. Yes, ma'am. One thing that Mike Bickle said a lot, he said that we should ask, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And about everything, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you say, well, Jesus, what are you thinking about this? What are you feeling about this? What's important to you here? Well, let me see it. Let me know it. And I, I think that's a good prayer, you know, to always be conscious of what he thinks and what he feels about you. I agree. Anyone else? I think this goes along with what you were saying, Bev. You know, um, but... I, and I think the two are linked together, what you're saying and what Wade was saying about dressing like Ken, becoming more like Ken, for an example, um, is that I liken it to this analogy of when I first started dating Wade almost 30 years ago, I had to ask him lots of questions. I had to watch him a lot. I had to really get to know all of those intricacies. And when we were first starting to walk with God, it's like that. Um, and we're growing in our understanding and his character and his nature. But now there's a place where I can order for him at a restaurant. I, I know exactly his heart and his nature, right? And I think it's the same way with our relationship with God. That there are some things we still have to say, you know, hey, I'm not really sure how you feel about this. And, and that comes with maturity. But there are other things that we just know as we have spent time with him. But if we don't spend that time, then we will not know those things. Anybody else? All right, a couple more here. Um, again, these are just questions to ask yourself, right? If you're in a season or whatever, right? Um, as I look at my life choices, where are my priorities? Do my actions, spending, and calendar align with what I think about my choices? Right? We, we, we can fall into the trap of um, of saying we're doing well and not doing well. Right? We want to believe we're really doing well. We want to believe that, that we can conquer this, that we can get through this season or whatever, and we can struggle our way through. Right? And there, there is a, a place where we... we should really just strive to be honest with ourselves, especially, right, to recognize when, when we're in a season where maybe we're struggling, right? And, and that takes some humility to, to recognize that about yourself and then reach out to someone and ask that they can come along beside you and help carry that burden through that season. Okay. Uh, the next one says, am I satisfied with my spiritual health? 
right? Have you plateaued? Have you reached that where you're not striving and, and recognizing there's more? Am I passionate about pursuing the presence of the Lord in my life? Is, is there a drive there? Is, is there some longing in your spirit? And then the last one says, what was the last spiritual gold I found? And when was that? Right? This ought to be something that, that as we're digging into the word, as we're striving, I mean, this ought to be something that happens pretty regular to us. Right? Because his, his word says that where we seek him with our whole heart, he'll be found. And if we're continuing to find him and he's continuing to give us fresh revelation, we ought to be that gold miner who's really successful. We ought to be that gold miner that's like, oh, found another nugget, found another nugget. I can't wait till tomorrow. I'm going to find another nugget, right? So these are all good things. All right, last section here, ways to encourage spiritual hunger. And I've got five listed here because I found someone who had done some work and I blatantly copied it. But there's probably more. So we'll add to this list, but number one, remember a time when you experienced the presence of God, Psalm 77, 10 through 12, and I said, this is my, this in my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the works of the Lord, surely I will remember your wonders of old, and I will meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. So when we're spilling... Let me rewind. When, when we're feeling a little spiritually flat, thank you for laughing, Brian. I can count on Karen. <laughs> oh. Yep, Psalms 77, 10 through 12. And the idea here is, is that if we're in a season of dryness, if we're in a season where it's, it's just a dry season, where we're feeling spiritually flat, the idea here is, is to remember those seasons where God has been good, where he has been faithful in your life and in the scriptures. And you can encourage yourself through that to say, you know, I remember a time when I walked through this before and God was faithful, Right? And so I'm walking through another season. I know God's going to be at the end of the season. You just keep going, right? All right, number two, get around people who encounter God and whose lives are producing good fruit. And this one is Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If you want to be uh, encouraged in the Lord, get around people who are encouraging in the Lord, right? Get around people where the, the Lord is moving, where, where they have a passion and excitement and I guarantee that their cup is overflowing and it will splash on you and get all over you. And before long, you will you'll be having a tea party together. All right, number three, this is a popular one, sing praises. Worship in song. I mean, this is easy. My goodness. We get in here on Sunday mornings and I hear the congregation just declaring his goodness. And it excites me and it encourages me. And like this morning, I was like, let's go storm hell with a water pistol. I mean, I was ready. I was so encouraged this morning. Psalms 40, verses 2 through 4. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Amen. Amen. Remember his goodness. Sing his praises. Number four, 
Get over yourself. <laughs> humility. Humility. We got to be humble. Um, this one I found, uh, Bill Johnson. Um, he's, he, the way Bill Johnson described this thought was really interesting. He said, uh, humility is not a matter of thinking less of yourself, but it's a matter of thinking of yourself less. Right? So, so it might seem really simple, but it's one of those kind of simple, profound truths. Um, where taking the focus off of us and looking inward and instead looking to God and putting, putting it squarely on God and, and seeking Him and trusting in Him, and that can really take that burden off of us. Um, scripture there is John 4, uh, verses 6 and 10. It says, God gives grace to the humble. And in verse 10 it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord he will lift you up. So when we come to him with a humble heart in our need and in our desperation, it says he will lift us up. He will encourage us. And then the last one, maybe the most simple one, probably should have been the first one, pray. This one, the scripture comes from Ephesians 3, uh, 16 through 21. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So there's probably some other ones that we could add there. Anyone have something else that we can add to ways to encourage spiritual hunger? Yes, ma'am. I was going back through my notes yesterday on the priest, and I remember coming across this. It says, a hungry church, and then I wrote lifestyle. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. As for us, we, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run Life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out for us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who has birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that he, uh, knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So good. So good. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. 
Ephesians 1 is the same thing. <clears throat> Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. Amen. Good stuff. Sam? Um, in thinking about additional ways to encourage spiritual hunger, I think studying the Word is one that's not on the list, and um, memorizing the Word. Um, when we were looking at the temptation of Jesus, um, and he, you know, he gets asked to turn the stones into bread, and he quotes scripture. Um, and then he gets tested again. And in that, the enemy uses it, like, misquotes scripture. Um, so in that, I just, I have a note in my Bible that says, uh, Jesus drew upon scripture to resist the attacks of the devil. Can't fare well with little knowledge of the word. The devil quoted scripture out of context, and that scripture was about God's protection in life changes, um, not acts chosen in foolishness. So not only able to quote scripture, but to understand it in the right context. And I think that reminds me of the spiritual maturity, being able to understand what's true, right, and not being blown about by things that sound true that may not be true. By else. All right. Well, I think um, lots of good stuff here. Um, and I know that um, with this group, the fact that you're probably here on a Sunday night probably speaks a little bit to the hunger that's within you, the desire to, to learn and grow and become more like him, to understand more of Christ and his ways and how he unfolds in this world. And it speaks a little bit probably to your spiritual hunger and health. Um, I would guess that um, in a poll of, uh, I would say, the full church attendance, this is probably the more healthy group of the church. Maybe not entirely, not condemning anyone, but just saying that, that this is a symbol of, a, of an inward hunger and desire to know more of Christ. All right. We'll pray and, and dismiss unless there's anything else, and then we can carry on the conversation, if you like. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you put a hunger and a thirst on our inward man. Father, we thank you that 
that as we dig into your word, as we live and move in your presence, as we sing your praises, as we, as we walk out our life of worship before you, we thank you, Lord, that you inhabit our all in all. Father, there's not a place that we can go that we can hide from your presence. And Lord, we are thankful that, that you draw all men into you, and that includes us, Lord. And we, we are thankful, Father, that that drawing creates a hunger in our spirit, man. And it is an attraction to you. It is a drawing to you. And Lord, your word says that, that we'll be satisfied as we hunger and thirst and pursue you. And that, that as we do that, you'll be found. So we are thankful, Father, that there is a promise attached to this. Father, a promise and, a, and an expectation that as we come and seek your presence, we come and seek your wisdom, we come and seek your face, that you're going to be there, you're going to be found. And Lord, our spirit, man, will be nourished through that. So we thank you tonight, Father, that we can dig into your word, that truth can be revealed, Father, that we can be in, in a presence and an atmosphere, Father, where, where our, our inward man can be filled. And so we give you praises for that. I thank you for this body of Christ that is gathered here tonight. I thank you, Father, that they represent your church and your body. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the health and the wellness of this body and how we, we have all come together here tonight. Lord, we've all brought our peace tonight, Lord, and that in coming, we, we, we help each other grow and we keep each other healthy. And so, Lord, I thank you, Father, for the gift of all of these people here tonight. And so we give you our praise tonight. We give you glory tonight. We thank you, Lord, and we give you our honor and, and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.